I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, beginning in verse 29, and then 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. While you're turning there, I'll remind you that uh, the theme for this Advent season is Christ our light, and we're going to explore together scriptures and themes about light and darkness, and uh, let Christ's light shine in our lives in particular ways. I was... uh, upstairs uh, following baptism, and I heard Hannah lead you in uh, uh, your beginning work on the memory verse, John eight twelve, and we'll be inviting you to uh, memorize that together. It's good to memorize scripture, and I think it's already been mentioned, but there are copies of the uh, Bible verse on business cards here at the front and also on the Welcome Center table. Take one with you to put on your mirror or maybe at the kitchen table, uh, load it onto your phone, and just when you have free minutes during the day, Uh, during your devotional time, whenever, uh, sharing that. And then also a a new tradition we're starting this year, inviting you to bring personal family ornaments and put an ornament on the tree in the narthex, and then you may claim it Christmas Eve, but uh, it will help us uh, just be Christmas uh, celebrators together uh, as you bring something personal from home, and we invite you to do that. Right now, I want us to think together about uh, a side of Advent that maybe we don't always consider Uh, during this season, but we're going to look at Luke 21, beginning in verse 29, and 1 Thessalonians 5, as we think about the two advents, the two comings of Jesus, the first and the second, and uh, what happens in between. So I invite you to stand, please, as I will read aloud God's Word. First from Luke, then Jesus told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, You can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness, and the worries of this life, and that they catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining 
salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So yes, you probably wonder why the pastor is talking about the second coming of Christ and choosing scriptures about the second coming of Christ uh, on the Sunday when we begin celebrating the first coming of Christ. Uh, It is something to think about, although remember that they are related and that they are connected. First Advent, second Advent. Advent means appearing or coming. And the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus are related. And we're the ones who are living in between those two times. And so there's a message for us to hear as we prepare for the first coming and the second coming of the Christ. Uh, One of the reasons that I think these are pertinent scriptures is because we've gotten very sloppy and careless about Christmas. We've made Christmas all about feel good. We've made Christmas a cultural sort of experience that is... Uh, sort of syrupy, sugary, full of sentimentality, and sometimes we don't hear the sharper edges of Advent that we need to hear. For example, look at this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, the coming of God is truly not only glad tidings, but first of all, frightening news for everyone who has a conscience. The coming of God is not only glad tidings, but it's also frightening news for those of us who have a conscience and want to be right with God. He went on to say, uh, we've become accustomed to the idea of divine love at Christmas. We no longer feel the shiver of fear that we ought to have at the coming of God. We no longer have the shiver of fear that we ought to have at the coming of God. The God of this world draws near and the God of this world lays claim on us. Sort of sobering words to begin the Advent season, that the God of this world lays claim on us. He draws near, and we should shiver with fear at that, at that prospect of God coming into the world. And so we need Jesus' words this morning about his second coming, uh, just like the people in in. Bible days needed the words to prepare for his first coming. We could ask ourselves the question, what is it, uh, what's Jesus trying to say? What's the posture that we should have as we uh, get in a place to receive uh, the second coming of Christ? What, what posture should we have as we, as we get ready for that? Now, and by the way, the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ, might be interpreted as the coming of a fresh experience in your own heart. Or it could be uh, Christ coming at our physical death when we leave this world. Or it might be the coming of Christ at the end of history. But whatever it is, how do we position ourselves? How do we, how do we get ready? What posture do we have uh, to be ready for the second coming? I think Jesus said, simply at least two very simple things in this text. And the first is, uh, we, we assume the posture of continued trust. We don't panic. We don't become afraid. 
we, we grow quiet and we learn to trust. He said to the disciples in Luke 21, uh, you know, you can tell the seasons when the, when the tree begins to bud and the leaves begin to come out, you know that summer's on the way. He said, likewise, you can know uh, when certain things happen that calamity is on its way, and yet the timing of that scripture fulfillment is always confusing to people. You see, as Jesus shared in Luke 21, he was sort of commingling two stories. He was talking about the impending doom that would come when the Roman government uh, sacked Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD, just a short time after Jesus was on earth. He was talking about the calamity that would destroy the temple, the Roman government, the cruel government would come in, but he was also talking about the end of history, and it's hard to unravel which he was talking about at which time. But he's basically talking about the kind of fear that we know as a nation today. As you think about Rome coming and and taking Jerusalem and just tearing it to shreds, we fear military enemies today. We fear terrorism like they experienced in, in Jesus' day. We fear uh, evil and injustice done to, to innocent people. We read the news this morning. We read the news yesterday. It's, it's all the same. And if we're not careful, we can absolutely fill our lives with fear. And yet in the midst of that, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus was saying, you know, dictators come and go, but my word's always going to stand. Armies march and then armies fade, but my word always abides. Terrorists work their plots, but then they pass from the scene, but my word always abides. Jesus is inviting us to trust and to live by faith, not by fear. And it's interesting to me that Jesus tweaks one word, and we almost miss it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You would expect a good Jewish rabbi like Jesus to say, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. But Jesus audaciously assumes for himself and equality with God, and says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus assumes that unique place of sonship and the authority that the Father has granted him, and that Jesus' words will never fade, but will all be accomplished. Jesus is the portal of God's light shining in the world. Jesus is God's presence of the light coming to the world. So do you see... What Jesus does here, he's not only the one announcing the good news of light, he is himself the light. He's the one that invites us to trust and not be afraid. He's the one who reminds us that God is holding everything in God's hand. He's the one that invites us to faith and not fear. So that's the first thing that Jesus says in this scripture. Invites us to a posture of continued trust. And the second is... Even though we're trusting, he invites us to a posture of continued alertness, to a a continued be on your guard, a continued vigilance. Look at verse 34 of Luke 21. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down 
Be on your guard, lest your hearts not be crippled with dissipation. You know what dissipation is? I looked it up. The New Testament word. It meant drunken stupor or uh, horrendous headache from hangover. Jesus was saying, you know, the way some people deal with their fears is that they just numb their lives with chemicals. And Jesus said, that's not the answer. So be on your guard, be alert, be vigilant before the coming of Christ. Don't, don't get sloppy and, and retreat into some sort of numbing uh, chemically for, for a way to cope. But then he also goes on and he says, sometimes not just poor choices, but just, but just uh, preoccupation. Don't be weighed down by worries of this life so that the day would catch you unexpectedly like a trap. The worries of this life. Have you noticed how business with God never quite makes it to the top of our to-do stack? Have you noticed how business with God always gets stuck down there in the someday list while we take care of all these other preoccupations and all these other things that we think are so urgent? Jesus said, be vigilant. Don't let the worries of life weigh you down so that you are distracted. What happens is we become a little bit arrogant and presumptuous and we become lulled into a false security thinking that life's always going to be like life has always been. And Jesus is warning here, don't live with the presumption that life is always going to be like, I, like life has always been. There will come a day when everything will wrap up and be done, and we need to be ready. Presumption is a, is a huge problem for all of us, those, those worries that keep God at the bottom of the stack. Do you remember that scene in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, with Jimmy Stewart uh, playing the part of George Bailey? Uh, George Bailey was so full of dreams and so full of plans. There's this one this one line in that movie that, that I love that sticks in my mind. George Bailey says, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the year after that. I'm going to see the world. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers. I'm going to do all these things. Did he ever get to do any of those? But we're like George Bailey. We're so full of our plans. But where's God? that presumption that life will always be like it's always been. And Jesus called that kind of presumption a trap. You know the traps. Some of us are already getting caught in the traps. During the holiday season, overspending and underloving. Need to spend less and love more. The trap of following blindly consumerism versus following Jesus faithfully, not letting culture dictate how we celebrate the season. But there are greater traps, especially related to Christ's coming. The trap of assuming that there's always more time. Anybody here have a lock on that and know that for sure? The trap of Convincing ourselves we don't need Christ. We can do it ourselves. I ran across this great uh, definition of hell. Uh, Michelangelo once described hell 
as truth seen too late. Hell is truth seen too late. I see the truth now. If only I had done this. If only I had rearranged priorities. If only I had paid attention. If only I had opened my heart. Truth seen too late. Traps. Traps. Now, anybody who reads the Luke 21 scripture uh, knows that uh, the world that Jesus described is, is our world today. It's a mess. But everybody who's an honest person also knows we're all part of the mess. And uh, as, as we thought about this, as I thought about this series on uh, Christ Our Light, I thought of this poem by William Butler Yeats uh, and this particular uh, couplet, this line, things fall apart, the center cannot, cannot hold, mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. That's a pretty good description of our world, isn't it? Things fall apart, there's a vibration, and you sense that the center is not holding. Mere anarchy loosed upon the world. That's the way we feel. And by the way, uh, those of you uh, English scholars will know that the title of this poem is The Second Coming. Interesting. ISIS and the terrorism everywhere. Violence in our own United States. Campus unrest. Racial tension. Deep cultural divides. There is a darkness in our world today. And it's real. But do you know the one word that best summarizes the Christian faith, as far as I'm concerned. It's hope. Hope. That in that darkness, the light of Jesus shines. And that uh, First Thessalonians scripture, the Apostle Paul was writing early in the Christian era. He said, but you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. We are children of light. And by the way, in both of these scriptures, neither Jesus nor Paul were consumed with the when of the second coming. They were consumed, consumed with the why of the second coming. And the why of the second coming was that so that Jesus could finish what he started. So that Jesus could claim his own. For God has not destined us for wrath, Paul says, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That's that faith exchange. Jesus took your place and mine. He died for us. So that whether we're awake or asleep, alive or already gone to be with the Lord, we shall live with him. That's that light. That, that's that hope that Jesus will finish what he started. That's the purpose of the second coming. And that's the focus. What was started at the first advent will be consummated at the second advent. And those of us who are living in between 
are called to live faithfully between the time. I have a friend who uh, uh, wrote about an abandoned car that he came Can you dim the lights just a little bit so that people can get the full effect? This is not the car, but it's, it, it's close to uh, the one he described. He said he came upon a car alongside the road that was sort of calico, that it had decals, and the bumpers were a different color, and the paint job was worn. He said the mirror was hanging off on one side, the muffler was hanging down. He said it wasn't just ugly, it was ugly on top of ugly. And he said uh, the most curious thing was that the car had a bumper sticker, and the bumper sticker said, this is not an abandoned car. (laughs) You can turn the lights up now. It's... It's as if the driver went into the, the grocery store to get a, a carton of milk and he was afraid somebody would tow it off while he was gone because it, it looked like an abandoned car. And I think about that and what a mess the world is. What a mess my life is. But aren't you glad God hasn't abandoned us? He puts a bumper sticker on us that says, this is not an abandoned life. The owner is coming back to claim us. The owner says, I have a lot invested in this person, and I'm coming back to claim my own. This world is not abandoned. Jesus is going to come and make it right. And that's the hope of both Advents, Christ our light. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you beseeching you to bless us and give us the grace and courage to step out of darkness into light as we sense your leadership. Open our hearts to the marvels of your good news. Through Christ we pray. Amen.